2: they've got great receivers. Cooks is a dynamic receiver. Cup is is really good. Woods is, you know, he looks fast and even better than a year ago. Obviously, Gurley is a hard running back with great speed to get to the perimeter. Their offensive line does a nice job. And I thought Goff took a jump from his first year to his second year, but I think he's taking another big jump here in his third year. They're no huddle offense. Uh, The things they do, get in the right plays, out of the right plays. So it'll be a great test
3: Expanded football hour tonight. Beer show tomorrow night. We're going another hour because the Minnesota Vikings play on national TV tonight in Los Angeles. We have inactives. Dalvin Cook is active for the Vikings tonight, which okay. is a huge boost. Major. Huge boost. Uh, also inactive of note for the Vikings. Marcus Sherrill's inactive. Uh, Tom Johnson inactive. And Everson Griffin also inactive. That's not super shocking. Um, Marcus Peters is active. For the Los Angeles Rams, hmm, which comes as a bit of a surprise, yeah.
4: So Cook, uh, Cook plays and Reef starts as well. Yeah. Now, if Reef obviously has to play a far superior game to what he did on Sunday. But I think I'd prefer to take that chance than the potential of Rashad Hill having to move from right to left tackle and then O'Neal start at right tackle. So I'll this take This is
3: all going to be shuffled by the end of the game, I'm sure. So like Rashad Hill comes out every game with an injury and Riley yeah, Reef is problem. playing it less than 100%. So
4: But I would still I'll I'll take my chances that Reef comes back and plays a better game than he did on Sunday as opposed to Rashad Hill trying to play left tackle, which I think ultimately could ruin the young man's career. I don't think it's a good idea.
3: Yeah, I will. We'll, we we'll, saw T.J. Clemmings' we'll
4: career come to a sudden thud because of being asked to do things he was incapable of doing. <laughs> yeah,
0: which was just about everything, right? As an offensive so, lineman, so mean, Manning.
4: I didn't want to
3: say that. <laughs> I'm just saying um, he's, mean, he's still in the, he's the NFL somewhere, right? Wasn't he? He was in Washington, Washington last year, I think. He might still be there. Why is it that some guys, when they get thrown in the fire, it ruins their career? But uh, like Peyton Manning got thrown in the fire and threw 30 picks his first season and wound up being one of the three greatest quarterbacks of all time. Like, how do you know? You get thrown in the fire and it's sometimes it ruins mental you. toughness, right? Why don't you guys take a
0: take a guess where TJ Cummings is? Oh, it's not in Washington anymore? No, he's not in Washington anymore. Oh, oh is
3: he in the CFL?
0: No, he's, oh, he's, in, the he's, NFL? A, he's in the NFL. Okay. He's on an NFL <laughs> team. It's an AFC team. The Browns. Yeah. Close? The Bills. Close. Was he with the Bills? No, it's 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 pretty close to a team that's kind West of division. a dumpster fire right now, AFC West. Oakland?
4: Yeah,
3: he's in Oakland. Oh, interesting. That'll fit right in. Yeah. Man. I'm sure Gruden's going to get a lot from, from
4: TJ out there. Is
0: he That's starting, starting what, for them? Man? That I don't know. Oh, I, I don't am. know if he's starting, but.
3: Tell you what, man. <laughs> this guy's a swinging gate. He is a turnstile.
0: He got, TJ got waived by, by Washington on September 1st, and then the next day the Raiders claimed him. So he's only been there for not
4: even a month. Okay. I think the only question is why. What what would make you claim T.J.
0: You know why? Because there's always because because the deal on him was that he was a great athlete. Right. Like he was just a really good athlete. Mm-hmm. There's always somebody in the NFL, especially there's always somebody that looks at somebody and says, I can fix him. Sure, well, there, There's also there's always somebody. Right.
3: There's certain skill sets and certain just gen- genetic traits and qualities that get you paid millions of dollars until you're a certain age or yeah. until you just bounce around too much. Being three hundred pounds and six foot, what was he? Six foot five. Yeah, he's he's huge. So if you're if you're three hundred twenty pounds and six foot five, and you can move a little bit, you're gonna make a lot of money until you're until you bounce around to nine different teams. If you can throw a rock. 100 miles an hour, with your left hand specifically, Yes, you're going to make a lot of money and bounce around and you're going to make a living until you're a certain age or eventually nine teams decide that, okay, it's not here's, moldable anymore.
0: Here's the thing I've never understood about TJ, though, because he used to be a defensive lineman at Pittsburgh, right, in college? Yes, correct. And then like his
3: sophomore year or something, he
0: became an offensive line.
3: Was that was his he? problem with the Vikings, that he still thought he was a defensive lineman, and that's why he was so generous? Well, his play was
4: <laughs> offensive, so. <laughs>
0: Gotta let this guy get past me, because I'm trying to get
4: upfield. Sorry,
0: what
3: were you saying? I interrupted your point.
0: Well, no, I I, I just, I guess my question is, how did, how did whoever come to that conclusion that, yeah, TJ, you know what?
4: Let's put you on the offensive line. Like, was he that bad of a defensive well, lineman? Do you remember, they, in fairness to him... When they drafted him, Lodhold got hurt his rookie year. Oh, he had no business being out there. But they installed even. him at right tackle. And it yeah. wasn't it was it wasn't pretty, but it wasn't a dumpster fire. It was when they moved the poor kid to left tackle. And by the way, he is the Oakland Raiders backup left tackle. Oh, Colton Miller starts for them at left tackle. If yeah. Colton Miller gets hurt, the Raiders might as well fold up shop and go Colton to Vegas Miller right now. Is. I don't either, but if he gets hurt, the Raiders are
3: screwed. <laughs> Uh it, okay, since we're blast from the past Vikings stuff right now, have you seen the numbers so far this season for Adrian Peterson? Actually pretty good, aren't they? He's played three games. Yeah. He Two good games. He's had two good games. Look at you, already look at you. Already trying, I've, to, I've you're already trying to pull I've the whole lot around. Two good games. He's gonna get hurt. Yeah, two incredible games. He's he is uh he's got two hundred and thirty six yards rushing, so yep multiply that by 5 carry the 4 he's on pace for like 1200 plus yards rushing yeah on pace for 10 plus touchdowns he also has 5 catches for 100 yards so he's I think he had like one long advantage. reception i think opening week Just right saying, is, is it possible that we no Mocked. It. Look at your. Yeah. Let me <laughs> no question. We're not wrong. What? Nope. We're not wrong. He's going to uh, get hurt. What do you mean? He he tore he's the Packers apart. He tore the Packers apart last Sunday. Yeah, Number... and, and the Cardinals. That's nope. a that's a vaunted Cardinals. Yeah, I was going to
0: say that's not not a tough place much. to play. Number one question with Adrian: How many fumbles? Uh, one so far. One. Yep. Yeah. There's still plenty of
3: time. There's, for a few. There's time for a few more. Oh, he, he's <laughs> There's time for a few more. He's, <laughs> he's going to hurt
4: a hamstring or a knee or something <laughs> here within two weeks. <laughs>
3: It always you happens. know, we went through a phase in the NFL where it, it was like a three, four five year phase where we were getting out of the bell cow era of running backs mm-hmm. and entering the you can pretty much just plug anyone in era of running backs mm-hmm. where a lot of the top guys were fifth round draft picks or sixth, whatever. You know, it wasn't that you had to draft a running back in the first round. Are we coming back around to running backs being really valuable, but just a different type of running back now compared to 10, 20 years ago? Like Corey Dillon type running backs, where the like you hand it four hundred times in a season at three yards carrying, but now we come back around to where if you don't have a Dalvin Cook or if you don't have an Alvin Kamara, someone like that, Mm -hmm. you're at a huge disadvantage in today's NFL. But I
4: I think you need I think now it's it's you need a primary guy who can catch passes, block, and rush the ball, but you need a guy behind him too. So you're one, you're. This is Me our depth. star back, and that's it. Days are gone. It's like this is our one A back, but we need a one B of some sort. And listen, if you can get a cook, that's great. But I do think that the thing that that we've seen is it's extremely dangerous for a team to have a primary guy and fall in love with that guy for too long, because these careers now are so short. Yeah, these guys are done so quickly.
0: I do wonder how someone like a Barry
4: Sanders, who was
0: obviously like for me like he's the greatest running back i ever saw mm-hmm. growing up but i wonder how a guy like him would be used today if he would be much more of a factor in the passing game because yeah, you think so yeah because i mean he was so good at just making people miss and getting out in open space that's what you wanted for him anyway so i wonder if like his rushing totals wouldn't be as high but as a pass catcher he would be like unbelievably mm-hmm. dynamic
3: yeah i i don't think it's a coincidence that you look at you look at the best teams in the NFL right now. So the the Rams, Todd Gurley, can do it all out of the backfield. You yeah. have to have a guy that can, if, if you need him to, can catch you 60 to 80 passes in a season and or catch eight of them in a game, right? Uh, the the Kansas City Chiefs with Kareem Hunt, you mentioned. Vikings, Dalvin Cook, they have a guy. Carolina's been a really good team, and, and they've constantly had those versatile. Now they have one of the, the most versatile guys, right, in, sure. in McCaffrey. Um, Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. Yeah, I I I almost think it's a prerequisite now. You you it's you can't just have a mad Asi- You can't just plug in Mad Asiata <laughs> right, and hope that it works out. And Marshall Marshall Falk with the Colts and then with the St. Louis Rams and then Ladanian Tomlinson. I feel yeah. like those guys were so ahead of their time in their skill sets, but they also had coaches who understood ahead of their time, okay, this is how we have to use these guys in all facets. They're going to get the ball via handoff 250 times, but they're also going to be targeted 100 times, and we're just going to – and now that's the standard. You're you're looking for that type of hybrid role.
0: I wonder if that's a way to sort of extend the careers of some of these guys too because if you're using them in the passing game, there's more opportunities for them to get out of bounds and not absorb huge hits, whereas if it's just – you're just handing the ball off to an Adrian Peterson guy 30 times a game and he's running in between the tackles all the time – he's absorbing a lot more physical punishment. So you would think if the guys can avoid these big injuries, that you can actually extend a running back's career by using them more as like a receiver instead of mm-hmm. just handing the ball off to him 35 I times think the, in a
4: game. The, the wear and tear is still pretty great though, right? Sure. And, and I still yeah. think that's why, I, I mean, I saw Bell in Pittsburgh claims that the part of why he's not playing there right now is I don't want the ball 300 times or something. And so I think the wear and tear is still great, but I do think it now has become, as with Cook, where if you can't split out wide, you're, you're useful. But, you know, Peterson might be, the more I think about it, the last sort of great just running back. Yeah, The last guy who was just the bell cow. Mm-hmm. And you put him back there, and you had to take him out on third down. I mean, think, think about that now. Think about trying to sell a guy in the draft room and part of the sales pitch is this guy's unbelievable on first and second down, but we got to take him off the field. I guess you could do it, but in 2007, it was probably like, well, that's not great, but who cares? Yeah. Now, I, that sales pitch would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So you're telling me that I've got this incredibly valuable back, but on third down he can't play because yeah. he can't catch it that well and he definitely cannot
3: block. I wonder if you I, – I just pulled a random year here, 2002, just for fun. If you would have, if you took a list of the guys who were the, the most Belkawi of Belkow running backs, that's a great term, by the way. That's a great football <laughs> term. The fact that you're not bel- firing
4: the football, what, bel- founder. Bell bel-cow? Belkawi,
3: bel- oh Belkow, oh bel-cow, football,
4: yeah, Football! Yeah. Yeah. football.
3: Yeah. Yeah. like if you if you said if you gave Eddie George, if you if you Oof. said Eddie George, we're gonna throw throw you passes, like would, would a guy like him even, not that he wouldn't have a role in today's NFL, but Eddie George was a guy that you lined it up and you gave him the ride. But Could he catch? Yeah. I mean, he could probably like some, some of these guys probably don't just
4: don't know if they ever really, given the chance remember to the, catch.
0: I don't remember the Titans ever really I mean, and Jeff Fisher was so old school that when I, I was don't a kid, remember them
4: ever really using him that way. When I was a kid, Ricky Young played for the Vikings yeah. and and they got him in the Ed White trade from San Diego and Bernsey threw him the ball all the time. It look had Ricky Young playing a role that that is now commonplace in today's game yeah and in 1979 he did it all the time yeah right. the
3: way, and, and also roger craig in the yeah. and that a lot of it was system one. but roger craig was kind of yep this 30 years before th- this era my stepdad
0: was actually
3: i forgot i'd have to ask oscar
0: what year it was but my stepdad one of the years for the vikings when Bernsey was the offensive coordinator was actually the vikings leading receiver really in terms in terms of receptions yeah. west coast yeah, that was
3: because they they threw the it to West the Clubs. running
0: backs, yeah. Chuck Foreman, all those guys. They yep. they dumped it off to the running backs back then.
3: Yeah, they were receivers. Well, wow, this is added bonus football, football. hour. Yeah. Bell cow, bell cow. Yes, <laughs> this is the bell the bell cow hour. <laughs> Just give these guys the rock for another hour of radio. When we come back here, we're we're leading up to Vikings and Rams, and you'll be able to find us on Vikings Vent Line post game. Live on the radio, live on the stream on 1500ESPN.com and the mobile app, and also live on Periscope slash Twitter. So we'll do that when the game is over. When we come back, we're going to hear from Sage Rosenfels. Matthew Collar and Sage sat down for one of their uh, weekly podcast episodes to talk about this upcoming game against the Rams. We'll do that when we come back. Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up
5: next. Oakley-dokley. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! On 1500 ESPN.
2: Football.
3: Mackie and Judd, this is Expanded Football Hour here because the Vikings play on national TV in about an hour, so we wanted to go until 7, beer show tomorrow night at 6 o'clock. Every week, twice a week actually, Matthew Collar sits down with Sage Rosenfels for Purple Podcast episodes. Let's eavesdrop in on those two guys from earlier this week. Looking ahead to Rams and Vikings, Matthew Collar and Sage Rosenfels
1: in Los Angeles. So let's uh, start out, Sage, with bouncing back from a loss like they had on Sunday. Would you say that it still reverberates what happened or are they completely over it now that they've landed in Los Angeles and the focus is entirely on the Rams?
6: Well, I think they've moved on. I mean, I think that's the nice thing about the NFL. I remember North Turner saying this to me early in my career that the the neat thing about you know being a football player, being a football coach, is you have a test once a week, and once that test is over, you move on to the next uh, the next test basically, and you know that's what they have going on you know here. I, I think the best thing that could have happened is for them to play a Thursday night game. I know it sounds crazy. I, obviously, it's a little more challenging to to play that game on the road. Uh, but, you know, they need to get back on the field and sort of try to redeem themselves as soon as possible. You know, the worst thing that could happen, I think, would be, ha- you know, have a bye week or even have it a- be a Thursday night game with a 10 day stretch after that where they have to really sit, wait, and ponder and, mm-hmm. and have all this time to think about it, you know. So I, I think the best thing that they had to do uh, is just sort of get right back on that horse. And they got bucked off pretty good. Uh, let's get back on the horse and-, and see if you can't go to win that I mean, right now. You know, it's interesting the Vikings being a team that a lot of people preseason-wise had really high expectations for. Those have been dampered a little bit. Uh, the Rams have the, probably as high as expectations as anybody in the league. So right now I don't think a lot of people have given the, the Vikings team a chance. Maybe this is what they need. They need to have their back against the walls a little bit rather than being the front runner.
1: So let me uh, switch gears over to the Rams and ask you about Jared Goff as a uh, quarterback aficionado that you are and you love to study these these quarterbacks around the league. Uh, what did you see from him as he was kind of coming in, it was a little bit rough with uh, Jeff Fisher for him right away. And then he gets Sean McVay and he's really taken off from there, but the Vikings found a way to slow him down last year.
6: Well, yeah, so Goff is, he's an accurate thrower. He's a rhythm passer. Uh, He's not a big, you know, playmaker type. He's not a big creation guy. He he does a good job of executing their offense. Uh, To see him from year one, uh, when it was Jeff Fisher's uh, offense, or I guess he didn't a coordinator, but you know, whoever he had as, as, as his offensive coordinator, uh, I watched a couple of those games at the end of his rookie year when he played. Uh, it was a bad offense. It was mm-hmm. poorly designed. It didn't help out a quarterback at all. And that's really, to me, an offensive coordinator's job, is how can I make it as easy as possible for the quarterback to be successful? Because if the quarterback's successful, uh, the rest of the offense will – will do just fine. And so uh, I think that's what Sean McVay does in this sort of style of offense. You're going to see a lot of inside zone, a lot of outside zone. Uh, You'll see some of that jet sweep action, uh, which a lot of teams are doing now. But then what you'll see is a ton of play action off of it. Uh, I would say more often than not, they're going to be under center. uh, But that play action stuff, that's what Sean McVay really loves. You know, the the zone running game looks just like the play action, mm-hmm. so it really does suck up those linebackers and safeties. They're going to try to take some sh- shots over the top with uh, the receiving core. Uh, you'll see a lot of sort of high-low, you know, deep post route. Uh, if it's not good, you'll have a deep crossing route, and then you know some guys in the flat is sort of a high to low uh, uh, from one two down to three check down the flat, you know, type of scenarios in particular in the play action concept. So McFay's a really good coordinator. Uh, he does a really, really good job, in this, you know, Jared Goff, uh, he's been really, really efficient in this offense. He also has some really good players to throw the ball to and hand the ball off to with Todd Gurley.
1: So something I wrote about in the off season was that Sean McVay also used bunched formations more than any other team. By far, it was almost twice as much as the next best team. What types of challenges did those present for defenses? And how just I guess how much of a different look is that when someone's using it all the time?
6: Well, the reason teams use bunches and and stacks, uh, you call a stack a two man bunch, basically. And a bunch is a three person bunched formation is how you sort of say in the NFL uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan was a huge fan of this, and, and McVeigh learned a lot of his offensive football from the Shanahans when they were in Washington. Mm-hmm. And the reason you do this is just for multiple reasons. One, teams a lot of times have automatic checks when you get into a bunch formation, uh, which then it sort of you sort of have an, a pretty good idea of what the defense is going to do. That's always nice to have. That gives an offensive edge when you already know you know the defense is going to you know box it, as they say, or or you know uh, check to. You know, check out a man-to-man coverage because in man, you know, there's so many uh, ways players can get picked uh, with the crossing routes mm-hmm. and and all those types of things. So it's hard to play man-to-man in, in, in those types of coverage. You know, everyone sort of has to take the guy that comes to their area, and then they have man. Uh, you know, that that guy. So you know, that's one of the reasons they do it. They also do it to uh, allow for receivers to get free releases and not have somebody just jammed at the line of scrimmage when they're just a, sort of in a single set out wide Uh, so there's a lot of good reasons to do to to do these bunch sets Uh, but what's interesting is you can also run the ball off of these bunches it's a a good uh good formation to do these sort of crack toss Mm -hmm. uh, around plays uh you also can run certain types of draws and as i said teams sometimes check out a man and get into more of a coverage uh a set defensively to try to you know, uh, um, you know, defense those bunches which are which are harder to defend, and so sometimes the best thing to do is to actually run out of the bunches. Uh, so yeah, it's a it, Sean obviously really likes to use it. That's a really interesting stat that he does it, you know, that often. I'm sure the Vikings, uh, who play who basically play man to man in some form, a cover four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that'll be it's actually bunches are made for that type, those types of defenses, man-to-man and usually quarters.
1: Yeah, and I think that it makes it more difficult for someone like Xavier Rhodes to lock on to one receiver, that you kind of force him to make changes there if you have to go uh, into the bunch, right? Rather than if, if he's trying to just shadow one receiver all day, it doesn't quite work that way when they're doing all the stacks and cut splits and all those different sort of things.
6: Yeah, that's exactly right. You know, let's just say... You know, Sean, or uh, let's just say Xavier Rhodes is, you know, told he has to guard, you know, let's just say Cooper Cup, you know, one of the wide right receivers. They're mm-hmm. going to match him up on Cooper Cup. Well, if Cooper Cup is the point man on the bunch, that's easy. You know, right. Xavier's got to miss the point. But if he's the inside guy, you know, you know, but, but he runs outside, a lot of times there's a switch that goes on there. Uh, it, it's a way to allow a premier type of receiver to get a matchup on a DB that normally wouldn't be covering him.
1: And uh, just one more thing on the, on the run game for people to, to watch is that they love both jet sweeps and fake jet sweeps. And I noticed uh, last year that they would occasionally fake jet sweep and have the wide receiver just give the slightest little chip to the defensive end. Obviously, he doesn't want to get too much of the defensive end and get murdered by you know somebody twice as big. But just just giving that little shoulder to a guy can slow him down a, a little bit. So it's I think what you see here with the Rams is the combination of a team that has really good personnel. In their wide receivers, Robert Woods is very good. Cooper Cup, you mentioned, and they added Brandon Cooks as a deep threat. And Todd Gurley is a do it all running back, very much like Delvin Cook. And you add so much creativity to this offense. I feel like uh, Jared Goff is kind of sitting on a golden throne here with all the things that he has working for him.
6: Oh, he's in a perfect situation. On top of it, their defense is pretty dang good. You mm-hmm. know, they got probably two of the better defensive linemen. Interior defensive lineman in the league. Uh, Obviously, they have got two cornerbacks out this week who probably are not going to play, Taleb and Peters. But you know, those are the two better corners in the league as well. So you know, he is sort of set up in in a really a perfect situation. A great offensive mind as a head coach, offensive coordinator, and really good players around him. It's amazing what you know two years can make uh, for a young quarterback. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, you know, by the way, as you were mentioning those bunch sets another thing they do is they make it really hard for defensive ends to get a good pass rush mm. you know they have to sort of work through a lot of traffic a lot of times their lanes are really you know cut down uh, you know in this situation it's usually to the strength which is a you know Daniil hunter's side usually you know his lanes are now cut down he's got this bunch it could be a crack toss that he has to widen and try to play outside of uh you know it could be you know, who knows what? So uh, it it adds some challenges to the defensive line as well.
1: But I'm interested to see Sage if this week the Vikings go a little bit uncharacteristic and blitz more. I mean, if they're using those bunch formations, I, I feel like that might give you an opportunity to blitz, and they did that a couple of times last year. Terrence Newman came on one, which he didn't do very often. I think Harrison Smith blitzed a couple times, and we've seen him do that this year. We haven't seen a ton of Anthony Barr rushing the passer so far in these first three games, and I'm wondering if they break out some of that this time.
6: Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I, I think the a nice thing to do if you're a head coach is, you know, as, as, as I said on these short weeks is you know, not to overanalyze. Let's mm-hmm. just go play. Let's make this in sort of a backyard game, you know, man for man. Let's just go play and beat these guys and not try to overthink and analyze everything so much. I mean, my guess is that is Zimmer's speech this week. You know, the way they got beat last week by the Bills, it's not scheme. It's not all these other things. Uh, you know, the reason they lost that game, they lost that game because man for man, the Bills just whooped. Uh, the Vikings' tail, and so I think that's the way he's going to, you know, sort of challenge his guys to say, "We're not going to call anything complex. Uh, we're going to blitz a little bit. We're going to be aggressive. We're not going to sit back and try to overanalyze this thing. Let's get, let's beat those uh, those Rams man and man to man, and everyone win their man uh, man to man one on one matchup."
1: You talked about Endamic and Sue and Aaron Donald in the middle there, and the Vikings' offensive line dealing with some dings and cuts. It's unclear whether Riley Reef is going to play. Uh, Our own uh, Darren Wolfson says that he's sort of 60-40 to play, and he's a pretty tough guy. He'll battle through just about anything, but clearly last week he struggled and was battling with a foot injury. But I I think that the focus is going to be on the middle. Pat Elfline coming back for his first start, he worked in a little bit against the Bills to go up against two of the toughest interior defensive linemen in the entire NFL. What type of challenge is it when you're as under center, Looking over at some of those beasts who can get after you in not only stuff your run, but also pressure you right up the middle.
6: Yeah, that's what makes these guys so good. You know, a lot of times interior defensive linemen they're they're sort of one or the other. They're either a run blocker or they're a guy like a Warren Sapp who can really rush the passer. Well, both of these guys are really good at both. I mean, Donald is just an incredible defensive lineman. Not too often do you talk about interior defensive linemen being top five NFL players? But Aaron Donald's a top five NFL player. He's he's really that dominant. He's still young, uh, and uh, he, you know, he's incredibly athletic. So he's sort of stout against the run. He's big enough to, and strong enough to be stout against the run. But he's athletic to you know shoot. He could almost probably play defensive end on third down hmm. and sub situation because he's just so strong and powerful and athletic. You don't get that combination very much. And obviously, we all know about you know Sue. He's been you know such a such a big man, big force over the years. Is he a great player? You know, I don't know, but he's just such a huge guy uh, and and has the ability to be great. Uh, And my guess is on a Thursday night primetime game, uh, he he will step up his game. He's the type of guy that uh, probably likes to play a little bit harder when the bright lights are on.
1: Now, one thing that's working pretty well for the Vikings potentially is could be uh, the return of Delvin Cook. And I thought that they missed him quite a bit last week. And, you know, we saw against the Packers, he lined up as a wide receiver and caught a key 24 yard slant route, uh, showing you a little bit of the different things that he can <coughs> do. Uh, how much of an upgrade is it? How much more multiple can they be with some of the things they do with the running back if they have Delvin Cook versus just Latavius Murray?
6: Well, if he's healthy, that's a you know a huge upgrade for them, and, and that takes nothing away from Murray. I think Murray's a really good back, and he's done some really good stuff for the Vikings in this couple of years now. But you know, Cook has that extra uh, gear that nobody else in the Vikings roster has from the running back position, and so yeah, if he can stay healthy, and that's going to be really big for him all year, maybe you know his whole career. Actually, uh, so his first year, he missed you know most three quarters of the year with his ACL, and uh, he's already now missed a game this year. So, you know, he's got to stay healthy because he is one of the big play guys, uh, you know, on this football team. And, and uh, you know, you obviously got Stefan Diggs and and probably a couple others, but, you know, he is the guy, you know, one of those guys that has a lot of juice for this football team, and the Vikings are going to need to have him, uh, you know, have a good game. And not just a guy that, you know, runs the ball you know, behind center. He's definitely a guy that uh, you got to get in space and get him the ball in the flats, and, and he, you know, he, he makes those turns, and you can just see that speed. uh uh, you know he a lot of times takes these three, four yard catches and turns them into ten, fifteen yard gains.
5: Mackie and Judd are back. Start churning butter and put on your church shoes, little sister, because we're about to blast off on fifteen hundred
2: ESPN football. They've got great receivers. Cooks is a dynamic receiver. Cup is is really good. Woods is. You know, he looks fast and even better than a year ago. Obviously, Gurley is a hard running back with great speed to get to the perimeter. Their offensive line does a nice job, and I thought Goff took a jump from his first year to his second year, but I think he's taking another big jump here in his third year. Their no huddle offense, uh, the things they do, get in the right plays, out of the right plays. So it'll be a great test for us.
3: Mike Zimmer from earlier this week talking about tonight's game, and we will uh, take this show, Mackie and Judd, up until 7 o'clock, and we'll be back for Vikings vent line after the game is over. Now, Kirk Cousins didn't play well against the Buffalo Bills, in part because the offensive line didn't allow him to, and he also was just bad even when he had open time to throw. Yeah, right? bad day. But I I, th- I think we all agree that he's off to a better start than the guy the Vikings had at quarterback last year, Case Keenum, who has three touchdown passes, five interceptions, uh, barely scratching sixty percent completions and a quarterback rating that is about twenty seventh, I think, among starters right now. It's five NFL. picks, though, huh? Yeah.
4: Ooh. Okay,
3: then. I believe that means you uh, correctly hit on and write that down. Five interceptions through the first three games. I for think you're right. Case Keenum. So I don't know. We, we've got our thoughts on Case Keenum. I'm kind of kind of curious about what people in Denver think about Case Keenum. So Manny went through the fan yes. in Denver's archives earlier today.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is uh, this is from their drive time. Show it's, I think it's actually called the Drive, and it's with uh, DMAC and Big Al, Alfred Williams and uh, Darren McKee, and uh, they host. I think it's a three-hour radio show, and they had uh, some thoughts on uh, Case Keenum and how he's performed.
5: What do you think that does to Case Keenum's confidence? Uh, case can't worry about that. Case gets paid eighteen million dollars, not to worry what? about that. Uh, okay, don't get don't. But what do you think it does? What do you? I don't care. It does I don't care him. what you. I don't care what it. You may perceive that it do, it does for you. You have to stand in there towel You have to step up and be the quarterback and I not got, worry about that that's stuff. A, that's a nice raw, rah speech. Just, no, it's well, not raw, What do speech, you D-Mac, think that really
1: does do? It's not. A, it's not.
5: Listen. Yesterday, hold on, hold on. Case had think, a bad day because <laughs> he was hesitant <laughs> about throwing the rock, man. He was okay. he was not Why do you think he's hesitant about throwing the rock? Because he don't want to throw interceptions. <laughs> okay. So now so, so not so now everybody <laughs> in Denver in the media is saying, well, Case only threw seven interceptions all year last year. He's already thrown four. So guess what? Going into the next game, he's cognizant about throwing interceptions. Don't
3: worry about throwing in Play your game. You know what's nice? You know, like these new cars, cheap plug for Luther, Brookdale, Toyota. These new cars that sense when, if you're not paying attention and you come close to another vehicle and it'll just slam on the brakes for you. Or it'll beep at you if you go outside your lane. It's nice driving one of those new cars. Mm -hmm. That's playing in the Vikings offense from last year. When you can throw a ball five feet out of bounds, but... Yeah. Oh, there's Adam Thielen, whoop whoop, with two of the best hands <laughs> in the, the NFL. Fun bigs. There's Kyle Rudolph. I just exactly. like those
4: guys going back and forth and yelling at each yeah. other. Uh, here's some more. Case threw three interceptions
5: in the first week, and you know what it looked like? Looked like he didn't care about any one of those interceptions that he threw. It, it looked uh, it looked like he cared less about throwing an interception than anything else out there. But this last week, we've seen this before, by the way. From who? Tebow. He would hold on the ball forever. Right, that looked like Tebow. You're right. That just, look, that looked just, like Tebow. That looked like Bow oh, yesterday. Right. That it's looked like, like Tebow. Wait yesterday. till the guy is like wide open. Right. Right. That looked like Bow yesterday. And then that didn't look like Case Keenum. And then when panicked, just throw it up there. Man, you got to let it rip, man. This is the <gasps> league, man. Let it rip. Play is, the game. This is the league. Oh, this is the league, man.
0: <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> you didn't
4: get, I love the old uh,
0: Alfred Williams. Camp. Of course, is a former. He was on the two Super Bowl team's yeah. under Elway. He was a defensive end, so he, you know, but
4: wow, man. I love the old, he didn't look like he cared. That's one of my
3: favorite lines. Let it rip, man. Let it rip. Well, that's, that's what the hosts think about Case Keenan. Oh. I mean, They're fired up. What about the fans? What about what about the callers on the fan in Denver? I
5: just wanted to say, I'm, I'm a Jet fan, so I, I just wanted you guys to take a look. So what Keenan looked just like Sam Donald, like a rookie. You know, they didn't they, they, they start to he threw the short passes and held the ball long. Yeah, I know. So the, 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 the game looked kind of deja vu to me. Only Case can can answer this question to himself. When you're out in that field, are you thinking to yourself, mm, I got three touchdowns and five interceptions, or are you just right, playing? Right, right, only a good point. Only he can answer. It's a truth-telling moment,
3: and only you can answer that, and that's the magic of sports. <laughs> The Case Keenum experiment is not this is, going over well in Denver right now. <laughs> we're three games in, right? Yeah. So
4: he's like it's thirteen games in. That Aren't they bad. like two and one? Aren't the Broncos two and one? They yeah. are two and one. Yeah, and it, yeah. didn't he bring him back in week two against I, Oakland? I think so. Yeah. I think they were down late, and he brought him back. I thought he well, was here hero. Threw, he then.
0: threw like three picks in the first game against Seattle. They won the game. That's still, right. But that's right. You're right. Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, the Vikings made the right call on that one. They just made a comp to Tebow.
1: That's aggressive. Man,
4: I mean, that's... I saw Tebow play again. I saw Tebow play his best game of his life as a pro here at the Metrodome. Yeah, and I remember that. even then, I thought with
3: this windup, this kid's awful. Yeah, they just compared him to Tebow. Yep. wow, man. So, but that dude, that was a hot debate here six months ago. Why would you let Case Keenum go? he led the. Led is a strong word. He was a he was a a very good participant on an offense that had a great coordinator, great wide receivers, running backs galore. You know, safety blanket, tight end. Like when you when you have all those things together, it makes it a lot easier. So that's great stuff right there.
4: He made the great throw to uh, Diggs, but still, I mean, that was they they were. I don't think the Vikings were ever seduced, though. Do, Do you guys? I don't think there was any well, Mike point. Mike Zimmer
0: clearly wasn't. No, and I don't think there was ever.
4: <laughs> I really don't think there was a point where they thought to themselves, no. "Let's give him the contract."
3: No, I think it was. It's it's fair to say. Listen, that was a great summer fling. It was a it was amazing knowing you. Summer fling, but uh, this doesn't need to be a marriage. And the I, Vikings sniffed that out correctly.
0: Is it fair to Is it fair to guess though that if Kirk Cousins had decided to sign with like the Jets or somewhere, that maybe they would have brought
4: Case back? No, I don't think they. I think, I think they were their more likely to bring to cut ties.
3: Yeah, I think they were more likely to bring Teddy back than Case back. Hmm. Cuz Mike Zimmer loved Teddy. Sure. Rick yeah, Spielman yeah. had more into Teddy from a, you know, from an ego standpoint. Yeah. So I think their wish list was Kirk Cousins. Alex Smith might have been, might have been in there somewhere. I don't know if they ever had actual well, that was our meaningful plan. discussions. Yeah. yeah. But then I think it was Teddy and only if needed, <laughs> you know, if everything went awry and Case Keenan was still out there. And you're seeing, and you're seeing why.
4: I don't think yep. they they ever were going to pay Case what Case was going to get. I think if if they had come to Case with with an offer, I bet it would have been one year and lowballed him. Boy, if you're John Elway too, and, yeah, for the and John, and, well, that's the thing. And, and
0: John is a legend there, and they love him there, and you know he deserves all that and everything. But outside of Peyton Manning, man, like, and Peyton, the Peyton Manning thing was like a seamless fit, like it was just a perfect fit, but. You know, you you traded up to draft Paxton Lynch. That was a disaster. You know, now they did a nice thing by letting Osweiler go, but then they turned around and brought him back. You know, Simeon was, eh, he's a backup here now, but L.A.,
3: yeah, you're right. I mean, I and, and, you know, a lot of people in his seat would have jumped at the chance for Peyton Manning. Right. It wasn't sure. like it wasn't like he saw something that no one else saw. He was the greatest quarterback of all time coming right. off surgery. But right. Yeah. Uh, Everson Griffin has released a statement. This is the first we've heard from Everson Griffin since everything happened earlier this week. So we'll hear from Everson Griffin and Vikings and Rams kicking off in a little over a half hour, and Vikings Vent Line will happen on this radio station and our streaming platforms, audio and visual, later on tonight. Mackie and Judd with Manny. It's extended football hour here from the TCL Broadcast Studios.
5: Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Guys, I thought we were in a hurry. On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd now continue. What
6: now? What now? Let me tell
5: you what in that. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN.
2: Yeah, it's a problem. <laughs> we haven't had a home game on a short week since I've been here in five years. You know, But it is what it is. We go out and play the schedule however they do it. I know the statistics about going to the West Coast and on a short week and all that. So, you know, we did a uh, study on... Preparing for a game a short week all those things and that's why we're going out tonight after practice Uh,
1: This week provides a great challenge, Uh, you know going against an excellent team uh, Really sound in all three phases. They have great players. They're very well coached Uh, Team that went deep into the playoffs last year and and, you know They're they're gonna be ready to go and and certainly we have to as well You know you're really happy for you know Obviously the contract, but you know I think he's in a good place uh, with his family and, and feeling good about the situation there and I'll be rooting and always pulling for Kirk after Thursday.
4: The statistic that uh, Zimmer was referring to since 2006, teams from outside the Pacific time zone are 1 in 7 in West Coast Thursday games. Mm. That was the statistic he was talking
3: about. Interesting. So travel uh, dumb question, why is tr- is it is it why is travel such a big deal? When you've got chartered flights and, you know, it's not like you're roughing it. I think it's Just a total dumb question.
4: I think going west takes saps you a lot. I think going from... It throws you off. It throws you off a lot. And I think it takes time for your body to adjust. I think if you just go east, you're fine. Hour difference. But when you go west to Seattle or Los Angeles or San Francisco, I think it takes you a couple days to adjust. That's two time zones, right? Yes, it's two hours. Yeah, two hours for us.
3: Well, Vikings better hope that that's not the case. <laughs> that they're, which is why
4: they tried to go on Tuesday night. Yeah, or why they went on Tuesday night.
3: Yeah, they almost they almost would have been better off if they had played a road game last week in like going, Denver or something. Going then they can just fly out, take a you know quick little hour and a half flight to You're Los right. Angeles. So Everson Griffin, this is the first time we've heard from him this week since you know the the various incidents. Uh, this is posted to his Instagram account. He said in a statement, This past week's events have raised many questions, and I want to apologize to everyone who was impacted. I'm currently focused on resolving personal issues with which I've been dealing with for a long time. Once I've had time to address those issues, I hope to share my story with everybody. I'm extremely grateful for the support I have received from my family, the Vikings organization, my teammates, and our tremendous fan base. I apologize for not being able to take the field with my teammates. And I do not have an exact timeline for my return. I promise, however, I will return as a much improved person and player. All right. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I don't think that, I, I I'm actually happy with just sort of the reaction to this. Yeah. I I think we've gotten a lot smarter as a society and as as football fans. I mental health issues are more prominent in our country than they've ever been before Mm -hmm. and and the nfl clearly has a problem with two things i think dealing with mental health issues with players and the nfl has a problem with probably creating or 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 at least adding fuel to the fire of mental health issues right just whether it's cte or the lifestyle Um, i've always contested that you know we always talk about when when players go through these depression spells or bouts with suicidal thoughts or or when they take their own lives after they're done playing we always go to brain damage brain damage brain damage and and I you know I'm not a licensed psychologist but I I feel like not having that structure anymore and even when you're when you're when you're a player like if you if you lose that structure you get home and that structure is not there and it's just different or the environment you're in as a player in practicing games is so far different than when you're at home with family and a wife and kids, and it's normal, right? Yeah. Like the gap is so much wider than other sports. So and I, I hope he gets
4: right. And I think for, for him, I mean, this, this is one of those things where I, I hope he gets right. I hope he gets help. I hope the team gets him help. But this is one where you definitely just t- take a step back and say, I mean, you. the thing that I will give this team is you understand how this can impact players. When they see this, mm-hmm. because his behavior was erratic for how long, and if you're his teammate and you're practicing with him, that would scare you. Yeah. So, so this is definitely one that that goes well beyond sports, and that you just have to step back and say whatever you need to do to get well, just do it.
0: And you know that a lot of these guys, especially, I'm I'm sure you know, and I don't want to speak for these guys, but I got to think. He's got teammates that he's very, very close with, like very, very close with. Like this is kind of like a brotherhood type of thing for a lot of these guys. And just emotionally, I mean, forget about football, just emotionally, you see your brother, your friend, your close buddy, however you want to view it, going through something like this. It can take a toll on a lot of people Mm -hmm. that have developed a really good relationship with Everson for the last, you know, well, he's been here, what, eight years now? Yeah. 2010. Yeah. So, I mean, this is this is a big thing, man.
3: Yeah. So. uh, So that's just one more time, just in case you're you're joining us here. uh, The statement is uh, from Everson Griffin. This past week's events have raised many questions. I want to apologize to everyone who was impacted. I'm currently focused on resolving personal issues with which I've been dealing for a long time. Once I have had time to address those issues, I hope to share my story with everyone. I'm extremely grateful for the support I've received from my family, the Vikings organization, my teammates, and our tremendous fan base. I apologize for not being able to take the field with my teammates and do not have an exact timeline for my return. I promise, however, I will return as a much-improved person and player. So, uh, we got about three minutes left here until we say goodbye and uh, sit down and watch the Vikings on this TCL TV. Gentlemen, what are your thoughts? We, we don't really do a lot of predictions. We are, We aren't doing a pick segment this year, but... Let's just say win, win or lose, and a general synopsis of what you think happens tonight.
0: Want me to go first? Go yeah. ahead.
3: Fire away. Um, Boy. It's hard. It really <laughs> is hard. It's you hard. Know what? Last week threw us off. It's like, well, I don't yeah. even know what to expect anymore.
0: You know what? I'm going to say win. I think they win tonight. I don't know
3: why. I don't know how, but I, hey. th- I think they win tonight. Royce just tweeted, Vikings 26, Rams 24. It's a crazy league. <laughs> crazy well, now that league?
0: means, of course, they're going to get beat. I
3: was going to say Patrick is he's, Patrick That's like the kiss of death. Last yeah. week he said PJ is
4: going to beat Maryland.
3: <laughs> All right, so Manny's got to win. Pat's got to win. I got him winning a close one,
4: very I, close. I honestly think Roycey tweeting that is the kiss of death. <laughs> I was going to say win. Now I'll say close loss, but I think it's going to be very. It's going to be a very respectable performance. I don't think it's going to be a, a meltdown. So. I say 27-24 loss. Okay. That type of game.
3: Man, I'm just I'm so back and forth. I I don't think they lose both of these next two games. I think they understand, all right, these are the these are the two measuring sticks in the NFC, Rams and Eagles, and they're going to if they didn't take the Bills seriously, they're going to they're going to double down on prep work and everything. It's it's possible that some of those guys were prepping for the Rams while they should have been prepping for the Bills too. Oh,
2: been, it's hard yeah, not to look attention.
3: ahead and, and be like, oh, we got to cram a couple games worth of prep in here. And uh, we could either spend five days prepping for the Bills and two days prepping for the Rams or vice <laughs> versa, right? I mean, if I'm in that spot, I'm probably thinking about the Rams before that Bills game. Uh, so I, I'm going to say they win. I'm going to say it's like a 23-20 to 20 situation. Uh, they they turn Jared Goff over a couple times, and it winds up being... Mike Zimmer's defense, out-scheming Sean McVay. Defensive offensive touchdown? Offensive Wonderkind Defensive touchdown? Sure. little pick six George for him. George Aloka? Harrison Smith. <laughs> Harrison Smith. little pick six for All Harrison right. Smith. Something like that. Vent line, baby. Regardless of what happens tonight, Vikings vent line right when the game is over. We might even pop in for halftime. Not on the radio, but if you're not following us on Twitter slash Periscope at 1500 ESPN. And uh, all of our on-demand content at 1500ESPN.com, the Mackey and Judd show page, anywhere you would find podcasts. All right, let's see what happens. Judd's going to go put a healthy choice in the microwave and kick kick his feet up. We'll see Got you guys in a right. few hours. <laughs>